Well, good afternoon. This one's super simple. I mean, I just got off. It's New Year's Day. Just hung out. We had a little class on Theravada and Buddhism. We had a great discussion on that. Then we had a little discussion on um, faith and belief and potentiality and all this jazz, right? Dependent origination and, you know, really cool stuff. But <laughs> here's something we ran into. So, like, I like talking about Nishitani. I've mentioned not a lot of people read his book because they're a little bit deterred or put off by it. It's not even that old. Nietzsche, I've talked about. Sorry, Nietzsche. I got criticized for not pronouncing him properly. And that's what everyone says. They love to correct how you pronounce it. But have you actually read it? Have you read the books? But here's where I never understood. I've always seen it with 1984. I read it. Animal Farm. Nietzsche's, Arathusra's, Beyond Good and Evil. All of it. I read it all. In fact, I even thought I hadn't read a couple uh, like Beyond Good and Evil, I couldn't remember reading it until I came across passages that I've been quoting for 20 years, thinking it was a paraphrase, but no, it was a quote, direct quote from Beyond Good and Evil. But what I've come to realize is reading denotes a check mark in the box. It, it, it doesn't even denote comprehension anymore. Right? So that's why I'm taking to saying, I'm listening to a book. I've said this. I love audiobooks, right? I go through a book a day, a book every two days, because I read and I listen, right? When I'm doing other activities that I'm able uh, to learn and listen without impinging on the other, I absolutely will. But that's why I say listening, is because listening denotes learning, actually hearing, right? Introspection, this phrenesis, this acquired knowledge, right? And that's what I've realized. It's not just people not reading the books. More importantly, it's like people, me, 20 years ago, who did read the book, but wasn't able to internalize and even more importantly, uh, integrate it into my life, right? So somebody critiquing, like I'll give you an example. So here's some critical thinking. So we're discussing, and one person wanted to just complain about Nietzsche because we were talking about Nietzsche, and he's like, I hate Nietzsche. And so I want to know why people have something against Nietzsche because I think they've been mistaught or they've mislearned, misread, misunderstood. And he proceeded to complain about, you know, Nietzsche. And I said, well, I, I don't think you get, you know, like what he was getting at there, a passage that he quoted from uh, Ecce Homo. And I was talking about this, like I have this weird idea that he wasn't being misogynist when he was talking about, um, oh, that's what it was. It was about woman's potential to bear children. If you read in Ecce Homo, you'll see that Nietzsche was talking about meaning, right? Um, as a male, we have the potential to destroy things. But in that section, he was talking about how creation, right? right? Um, we want creators not believers, not followers, certainly not destroyers. Separate section with the moralists and destroying of the old ways. This is strictly talking about creation because he talked about he could see more potential in, in a bad artist than he could in the greatest scholar. And this is what he was talking about, that women inherently had this potential to have children. They had meaning. They had sense. They had creation. What did man have? Man had to go out and actively create is what he was trying to get across. 
time. And so that's what I put across. And of course, that didn't sit well with someone who had a preconceived notion of Nietzsche. 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 And he, of course, supplied the ad hominem. And he's like, have you read Nietzsche? And I chuckle because I read Nietzsche pretty much every day. <laughs> and have for 30 years. Um, but not exclusively. I just happen to love some of these. And I go back for certain quotes that I need to use for different things. And, you know, like I said, I love my uh, audio books. So I'll listen um, to Beyond Good and Evil on a Walk like this morning. Or I might listen to Zarathustra in the bathtub. I mean, or Emerson. And the reason why I mentioned that. So I proceeded to attack. I said, have you even read Nietzsche? And I'm like, oh, well. But, but have you, right, applied the ad hominem back? Because usually what they accuse you of, they're guilty themselves. And this person proceeds to say, oh, absolutely, I've read all of his stuff. And I, well, that's great. So I asked about Emerson, right? Emerson, a book that Nietzsche walked around with. He adored. It's not a hidden thing. It's in every introduction to every single Nietzsche book. But sure, they may not mention the influence directly, but they will mention it. So I just asked about Nietzsche, and I wasn't being mean about it. I just said, like, you know, I'd love, you know, Emerson and his influence on Nietzsche, this idea of the oversoul and, you know, and this person, of course, um, not knowing about Emerson, proceeded to explain, well, I didn't read his biology and biography, sorry. And we had just finished talking about how important language and culture was. So it's a failure of critical thinking, right? The attack, the ad hominem attack. Then there was a straw man attack after talking about, well, uh, how do you explain Emerson being neoplatonistic and... If you weren't familiar with Emerson, certainly not as it relates to Nietzsche, what is this discussion about? It's, it's literally what you would call a digression, because think about it. This is a failure of an emotionally held belief. Instead of the individual realizing, well, wait a minute, I have read all this stuff. Maybe I wasn't listening. Maybe I didn't get this. Maybe somebody else got this, something we were all talking about prior to this, this idea that so many scholars get Nietzsche wrong. But did the individual stop and go, well, wait a minute here, like I have. I'll give you an example. Did they stop and go, hmm, maybe I got it wrong. I mean, the example I'll give is we were talking about marinating your brain in positivity. And the example I often would give without thinking about it was the idea that it took uh, less muscles to smile than it did to frown. And then, of course, somebody uh, made, thankfully, the point that, no, that's not true. I looked cursorily, quickly, and I think they're correct. I believe the old wives' tale, just because it fit my narrative, this idea that, um, right, uh, smiling. But it was a combination of the actual science. It was based on the idea that smiling makes you feel better, that whole idea. So it made perfect sense to me. But we just, where is this connection? I mean, just because a smile makes you happier doesn't necessarily mean that it's also less muscles. I mean, this is what we're talking about here. Right? So the real intention is value, is meaning. So whether you're reading something or going through the paces and action, it's the meaning, the intention you put in it that matters. 
whether it's a discussion, to understand, right? So for me, I informed my understanding, right? It actually gave me understanding of the human creature, right? The happiness that comes from smiling has nothing to do with it's easier to smile than it is to frown, right? It, the frowning isn't that it's, you know, something we like to do. It's just simply a negativity bias. And maybe, in no small part, the explanation is it takes more muscles to smile. And it might be ego depletion. It might be some series, uh, combination of reasons. But, but being open to adjusting, as Jung said, if an error informs more than what I held to be true, I'm going to listen to the air. So remember, reading, reading denotes checking off a box. If you want to learn, you have to listen and hear.